Peruvian man accused of killing his BC partner and now a fugitive. What's in the letter he wrote to Global BC? A truck vanishes from the valet. I entrusted you people with my keys. How did he get my keys? How the owner helped track it down with global cameras rolling for the arrest. And ride-sharing broken promises. You promised it in 2017, you promised it in 2018, and nobody believes you're going to bring it in this year. Why there's little to celebrate with another holiday season approaching. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in a moment, but we begin with breaking details of a serious crash north of Prince George tonight that sent several people to hospital. RCMP say it involves a bus that was carrying mill workers to and from work. Here's where it happened Highway 97 near Mitchell Road, just before 4 p.m. today. 32 people were on the bus, 16 of them have been sent to hospital, three apparently in critical condition. The cause we're hearing may be those slippery conditions due to snowfall. The highway is currently closed in both directions, and of course people are being advised to stay away from the area. We'll have more details as they become available to us. Now, new developments tonight in a case involving a Peruvian man accused of killing a B.C. woman. The accused, Christopher Franz Batochi, has now contacted Global B.C., insisting he is innocent. Ramina Dea has more on what he says about the allegations. In an email to Global News, Christopher Franz Batochi tells us he has not vanished. He says, quote, I am in Peru, just waiting for the trial to start once the trial is over and I can finally prove my innocence, when that moment comes, I will start legal actions against those who have defamed me and against those who have given false statements about my name and integrity. Christopher Franz Betoki. There is a warrant out for Batachi's arrest in Peru, where he is facing a charge of femicide, the killing of a woman under Peruvian law. The last time Batachi's common-law partner, Kimberly Kasatskin, spoke with her family, it was November 2016. Her body has never been found. I want him in court, and we will abide by whatever decision the court makes. But I think Kim deserves to have her day in court. The couple has two children, five and eight years old. Their Canadian grandparents, who are from Abbotsford, are concerned because they say they haven't heard from them in more than four months. They last saw the children in Peru at the end of May. They are now flying to Lima with the hopes of seeing their grandkids. They have launched legal action for custody. The accused tells us the children are at home and a government agency checks on their well-being once a month. We have asked for proof. We are waiting for Batachi's reply. Romina Dea, Global News. A man caught on camera abusing staff and throwing a fit at a Tim Hortons in New Westminster has now been arrested. 28-year-old Alan Sam de Guillaume was arrested in Powell River earlier this month. He's been charged with two counts of assault and one count of mischief under $5,000. As you can see, de Guillaume's dramatic outburst was allegedly triggered by an incorrect coffee order. He's been released on bail and is scheduled to appear in court November 21st. The sentencing hearing began today for William Schneider. The man found guilty of second-degree murder in the death of a Japanese exchange student, Natsumi Kogawa. As Nadia Stewart reports, court heard a dramatic and emotional victim impact statement written by Kogawa's mother. 
Natsumi Kagawa's mother says her life has been a living hell and she's been struggling to move on since her daughter was murdered in 2016. The 30-year-old Japanese student was found stuffed in a suitcase and dumped in the hedges on a Vancouver property in the West End in September 2016. The accused, William Schneider, was last month found guilty of second-degree murder. In her written and translated statement read aloud by Crown, Kagawa's mother, Emily, says she's been having trouble sleeping and has lost her motivation to work since her daughter's death. Quote, I feel her pain that she went through when she died alone, writes Emily. I cannot believe that I have not received any apologies from Mr. Schneider and his family, she writes, adding the lack of an apology is unforgivable. On top of the life sentence, Crown has asked for four years to be served concurrently for the single count of indignity to a human body. Crown is also calling for a minimum of 17 years before Schneider is eligible for parole. Defense says parole eligibility should not go beyond the 10-year minimum. Defense will wrap up submissions on Friday, but it will be a few weeks before we get a final decision from the judge. Back to you. All right, thanks very much. A messy day on the Lower Mainland with a lot of rain falling in some parts. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at rainfall totals and who got the worst of it. Christy. Thanks, Chris. Well, these numbers are uh, fairly significant, 20 to 30 millimeters across the lower mainland. But what's interesting here is this was in a 24-hour period. In comparison to what we saw on Sunday night, that was in a two-hour period where we saw similar amounts. So we're not getting any reports of significant flooding, although you can see here there certainly is pooling water on the roads. But the key here tonight is that the rain is going to continue. We've got subtropical origin from this moisture, so the rainfall is expected to continue into tomorrow morning. In total, with this storm, we could see up to 80 millimeters of rain from Metro Vancouver, all areas west and central Fraser Valley, as well as the Howe Sound region. Clear those drains, am I right? That's right. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Well, when it rains, hailing a taxi in Metro Vancouver often becomes more of a challenge, and yet we are still likely more than a year away from ride-hailing services like Uber and Lyft being allowed to operate here. As Jill Bennett reports, today in the legislature, a war of words over the ongoing delays. November 1st and the holiday decorations are going up, along with the frustrations of those who had hoped to have ride-sharing in B.C. for this year's busy Christmas season. Very frustrating because you always got to wait for calves and stuff and you're late for the mercy of them and they're not very reliable. When it rains a lot like this, it takes almost 20 minutes for to, you, to even get a cab. It's been a real difficult experience. I've had some very, very negative experiences in the last six months with cab drivers. Ride-sharing is commonplace around the world, but not in this province. Even though the current government promised companies such as Uber and Lyft would be operating in B.C. for the holiday season last year. We are moving towards ride-sharing in British Columbia, and their timetable is next fall implementation. Our timetable is this December. Just listen to the frustration of Nikki from North Van, who tweets, and I quote, I tried for an hour to get through to North Shore Taxi tonight. The issue was raised again in the legislature, echoing what many are saying over and over on Twitter. People are left stranded all the time and want ride-sharing. Mr. Speaker, we said there will be legislation this fall. There will be legislation this fall. But what that legislation will look like is still anyone's guess. But it was more complicated than we had anticipated. Multiple uh, statutes have to be amended to ensure that ride-hailing is brought in fairly, as you suggest, 
And I'm confident that uh, when the bill is passed and we can get the, uh, the insurance products in place, we can make sure the background checks are there to protect the traveling public, ride hailing will be in British Columbia. I can only say to the Premier, just keep going, but just go a little bit faster. We appreciate you're going to actually implement this, but sooner for us and the people of BC is better. In the meantime, BC's Transportation Minister says the plan to increase the number of cabs on BC roads by 15% is continuing. Jill Bennett, Global News. All right, Keith Baldry joins us now from Victoria for more on this. When might this bill actually be introduced? And Keith, is there even enough time to pass it before the holidays? Two very good questions, Sophie. Again, talking to Government House Leader Mike Farnworth today, uh, they are determined, the NDP government determined to bring in a bill uh, to amend seven other bills. Here's the legislation that has to be amended once this bill is in front of the House. Uh, first of all, the Passenger, uh, tr Passenger Transportation Act, the Insurance Vehicle Act, the Motor Vehicle Act, the Commercial Transport Act, the Local Government Act, the Community Charter, and the Vancouver Charter. That does not mean there's going to be seven separate pieces of legislation. These will all be bound into one bill in front of the House. But here's the problem. They start doing the math. There's only 12 days left in sitting days for the fall sitting. There are also 11 bills already on the order paper that haven't reached uh, the committee stage, and four of those haven't even reached second uh, reading. So a lot of work still to be done here before we get that uh, ride-sharing legislation. One possibility, Sophie, the bill comes in, but it sits there as an exposure bill. Actually isn't passed, but everybody gets to study it and debate it. It comes back to the House in the spring session for passage at that time. I don't think far has made up his mind yet, but one thing is clear, they're determined to bring the bill in. No mm -hmm. idea when it's actually going to pass, though. And still no rides. All right, thanks, mm -hmm. Keith. No taxi. Police are investigating a pair of accidents involving pedestrians early this morning as we're reminded again tonight about the time change this weekend and the danger it often brings. Catherine Urquhart has more on the warnings as we prepare to fall back for daylight saving and the preparation for the months ahead. Burnaby RCMP close off a section of Marine Drive after a pedestrian is struck just before 8 a.m. The person is critically injured. Rain and poor visibility considered factors. Hours earlier, a pedestrian is hit on the Lowheat Highway in Pitt Meadows. He, too, is critically hurt. With weather conditions worsening and daylight saving time ending this weekend, ICBC and police are urging vigilance. Always make sure that you're aware of your surroundings. And this is easy to do, just put your phone down. Look at what's happening around you, look at where the cars are, the other pedestrians, cyclists. Same goes if you're driving a car or riding a bike. Crashes with pedestrians are highest between 3 and 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. as we commute home from school and work. Motorists need to do their part as well. The Coquihalla has already had closures due to heavy snow. At Caltire, staff have been busy putting on winter tires, which are better in snow and in rain. The tread design on a winter-rated tire is designed to put water through the tread face way more efficiently than a conventional all-season tire. So that is a huge benefit down here in the lower mainland, that a winter-rated tire is certainly going to help you with the rain. For its part, TransLink is expanding its use of tire socks. They contain Kevlar wires for added grip, and staff say they've worked well. We were really actually quite impressed with how well they work. So if, if I was if I had to choose between a bus with tire socks on it and not, I would definitely pick the one with the tire socks on it. Motorists and pedestrians encouraged to slow down, pay attention, and be visible. Catheter Cart, Global News.
Well, the provincial government has been considering making a change to get rid of daylight saving time in B.C., but Premier John Horgan ruled it out today. He says he has received thousands of emails about the issue, but concerns from states down south led him to put the issue to rest. It's seven hours from Greenwich Mean Time is what we go by, as does virtually every other uh, jurisdiction on the west coast of uh, North America. Certainly our trading partners in Washington, Oregon and California have no interest in changing the time. That was made clear to me in my discussions with uh, 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 Governor Inslee. He didn't even know what I was talking about. Why would that be an issue was his point of view. Horgan says he also found little appetite from the business community to make that change. A very busy to-do list for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who was on the Lower Mainland today. Among his appointments, meeting with the new mayors of Surrey and Vancouver. Our Jordan Armstrong has more on those meetings, which have been delayed. Not a big surprise to those who have followed the Prime Minister around. Jordan. That's exactly right, Chris. And these are quick meetings, each mayor getting about 15 minutes with the Prime Minister. I can tell you that Kennedy Stewart, who's actually just talking to some of my colleagues behind me here, has just wrapped up his meeting with Justin Trudeau, and Surrey's Doug McCallum will go next. A few minutes ago, all three paused for a photo op and made a few comments. Have a listen. See, there's uh, issues like TMX where we're going to disagree, but uh, there's also an awful lot for us to work on together, and I very much look forward to, to working with Kennedy on, uh, on all things that matter to Vancouverites. Thank the um, Prime Minister Trudeau for coming in out here and to listen to the residents of Surrey, the concerns that they have expressed um, in the last election, um, and certainly I think that uh, we'll be able to find common ground. So transit, big issues for both mayors, specifically for Kennedy Stewart funding for the Broadway Lane all the way out to UBC. And look for Doug McCallum to seek an assurance from the PM that federal funding won't disappear when Surrey moves forward with SkyTrain instead of LRT. Justin Trudeau did say at a Board of Trade speech this afternoon that the feds will support whatever option the people of Surrey want, but they are not promising any extra money. A busy day of events for the Prime Minister on the Lower Mainland. Earlier, he also made a stop out at UBC. And now he's off to West Vancouver for a Liberal Party fundraiser. So if you're heading towards the Lionsgate Bridge, expect some delays across that span in the next few minutes because of the PM's motorcade. Chris? No doubt. Okay, thanks very much, Jordan. Nobody paid for me to come here. The Queen of Talk. On the campaign trail, Oprah Winfrey's appearance at a rally in Georgia and why the audience loved it later on the news hour. Also ahead, in a city of nearly 9 million, one resident stands out. The unusual bird that has even more people flocking to Central Park. Right now, though, a Kelowna man is sharing an unpleasant experience while visiting the Lower Mainland. His brand new truck stolen after leaving it with a hotel valet in Burnaby. John Juan now on where it was eventually found and why the victim feels if it hadn't been for his persistence, he likely wouldn't have that truck back at all. A dramatic takedown in southeast Vancouver. Police in pursuit of a suspect linked to a stolen vehicle. The problem, this $70,000 truck was supposed to be secure in valet parking at this Burnaby Hotel. They called me asking if I had the set of keys. Then I went down there and I said, where's my pickup? Unbelievable. Troy Scarcelli and Brian Tostitson traveled to Vancouver from Kelowna to watch the Canucks game. 
They say their short stay at the Grand Villa only got worse with the hotel's response. You trust these people to, with your vehicle and then they, they lose it and they don't care? They were just not even taking it serious. Luckily, Scarcelli has a phone app that located his week-old Ford F-150 on Commercial Street in Vancouver. The two men were left by hotel staff to call in police hoping to catch the suspects. They also called Global News. If it hadn't been for Troy having that app, they wouldn't have a clue what's going on. Not a clue. At the hotel, there were still no answers. And we're undergoing a full investigation. RCMP have been called, and so we want to make sure that we go through all of the, the legal steps necessary. But Tostinson insists staff told him keys are left at this valet station outside during the day. When we looked through the drawers, not one question from security. Somebody just had to take responsibility and make sure those keys were secured. It's so simple and it's turned into a nightmare for somebody. I just saw a male running uh, into the second house from the end of the block there. Back in Vancouver, the truck first drove to a second location before police moved in and got their suspects. For now, Troy Scorselli will have to settle for a rental, a return visit to pick up his truck, just another part of the supposed convenience that comes with valet. John Hua, Global News. A vehicle fire causing some problems for BC Ferries today. The 10.30 sailing of the Queen of Alberta from Tawasan to Duke Point was delayed while fire crews extinguished a fire in a van. No one was hurt and there was no damage to the ferry itself. A warning tonight for BC seafood lovers, an outbreak of a potentially deadly bacteria on at least part of the West Coast. Fisheries and Oceans has closed bivalve shellfish harvesting along most of the Sunshine Coast. Dangerously high levels of paralytic shellfish poisoning bacteria, or red tide, were found in the area. The warning applies to oysters, clams, scallops, mussels and gooey duck. While the threshold for closure is set at 80 parts per million, concentrations as high as 1,300 parts per million have been recorded. The risk of serious illness or even death from eating contaminated shellfish is extremely high, even after cooking. There's different uh, onset symptoms, as in nausea, dizziness, uh, difficulties breathing, paralysis of the respiratory system, and in worst case, um, fatality, death. If you do feel ill after consuming shellfish, seek medical attention immediately. Red tide is usually thought to occur during the summer months, but that's not always the case. Climate change is playing a role in when it surfaces, which means it could become more common in the winter. And the health of our ocean is the focus of a new report released today aimed at sharing the state of B.C.'s coastal waters with all British Columbians, not just with marine experts. Linda Aylesworth now on the key areas of concern and why there's reason for optimism. Our oceans are under enormous stress. Keeping up with the state of their health is a formidable task, one that the newly unveiled Ocean Watch report strives to make easier. So that first and foremost is a, is a document, it's a communication tool, it's a resource, it's an encyclopedia for everyone in British Columbia. The report, available free of charge online, covers a vast number of topics, from the problem with microplastics to the mysterious wasting disease that's decimating our sea star populations. You'll see that with this chart over time, things do not look all that good. And then there's underwater noise, increasing at a rate of three decibels every decade. 
One minute, killer whales are conversing with one another. The next... And you hear how their sounds are, are completely masked by the noise from the ship. And it's not just large marine mammals that are affected. It's everything down to plankton because oceans are dark places, so they, marine life uses sound the way we use vision. Toxins are also covered in the report. By testing for levels of industrial chemicals in harbour seals, they can tell a lot about how contaminated other marine species are. We have a good news story that is emerging, albeit slowly, and that is that the levels of a number of industrial chemicals are declining. That finding, the result of a ban on things like PCBs implemented decades ago. The information in the report was gathered from hundreds of studies. It'll be updated every three years so both the public and the policymakers can learn and track trends. So it's getting that awareness out about the issue. And I think once people are aware of it, they tend to act. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Google employees in California and around the world walked off the job today. They're protesting the company's handling of sexual misconduct claims and its treatment of women. Thousands of Google employees told their bosses today, time's up. We demand structural change in the name of transparency, accountability, and equity. Uh, we're walking out to support women and to protest the way this company is handled sexual harassment cases. The protests follow a New York Times report that Google gave Android creator Andy Rubin a $90 million package to leave after a sexual misconduct allegation. Rubin denies the allegation and calls the report of his compensation a wild exaggeration. Why did you walk out? Uh, well, I walked out because I think it's not acceptable for a lot of upper management to let this kind of thing go. Google CEO Sundar Pichai says 48 employees have been fired for sexual harassment in the last two years, 13 of them senior managers. Moments like this show that we didn't always get it right, and so we are committed to doing better. Today, Google employees making it clear respect and safety are not things they should have to search for. Jolene Kent, NBC News, Los Angeles. Well, the case against the man charged in the deadly van attack in Toronto will head straight to trial. Alex Manassian is facing 10 counts of murder and 16 counts of attempted murder after allegedly driving a rental van down a crowded sidewalk in April. The deputy attorney general has agreed to a direct indictment. That means the case will skip a preliminary hearing. The Russian space agency has released some dramatic video of that failed Soyuz rocket launch last month. Everything looks good at first as the rocket lifts off with U.S. astronaut Nick Haig and Russian cosmonaut Alexei Ovchenin heading for the International, the International Space Station. But a malfunction about 90 seconds into the launch forced the crew to abort. An emergency escape system separated the crew capsule from the rocket and sent the two plunging back to Earth Thankfully, they both survived the emergency landing. Russian investigators now say the launch failure was caused by a sensor that was likely damaged during assembly. In Health Matters tonight, a final report into cell phones shows radio frequency radiation may cause cancer in rats, but not in people. This is encouraging. Researchers exposed rats and mice to the levels of radiation similar to 2G and 3G cell phones. They found male rats did have a higher rate of heart tumors, and there was some evidence of tumors 
in the brain and adrenal glands as well, but they say the exposure in rats was higher and longer than what people experience when using cell phones, and the animal's entire bodies were exposed. They say there is no evidence that cell phones cause cancer in people, and the FDA has released a statement in support of that finding. Just four days to go before the critical U.S. midterm elections, and the big guns are coming out. In Georgia, a television icon making a rare political appearance, even knocking on doors, much to the shock of the homeowners, Mm -hmm. in support of a candidate for governor. Tonight, the O-Factor, Oprah Winfrey electrifying voters in Georgia for Democrat Stacey Abrams knocking on doors, Hi, Oprah. hosting a pair of town halls today, supporting Abrams, who could become the country's first female African-American governor. Nobody paid for me to come here. Nobody even asked me to come here. I paid for myself and I approved this message. Quickly dismissing the question on everyone's mind. Is her visit a sign she's thinking about running for president? I'm not here because I'm making some grandstand because I'm thinking about running myself. I don't want to run. Instead, Oprah putting the focus on Abrams. I said, Stacey, this is Oprah. She said, girl, let me pull over to the side of the road. And on turning out the vote, reminding the audience of a painful past. For anybody here who has an ancestor who didn't have the right to vote, and you are choosing not to vote wherever you are in this state, in this country, you are dishonoring your family. Do you see her as someone who helps you energize specifically women voters, voters of color? I think that Oprah energizes everyone. Winfrey's visit comes as Abrams is locked in a razor-tight race with Republican Brian Kemp. Democrats accusing Abrams' opponent of using his office, Secretary of State, to purge thousands of minorities from the voting rolls. Kemp has vehemently denied any voter suppression. Today, the vice president stumping for him. Well, I'd like to remind Stacy and Oprah and Will Ferrell, I'm kind of a big deal, too. Oprah usually stays on the political sidelines, endorsing Barack Obama in 2007 and Hillary Clinton in 2016. Still, Oprah didn't miss a chance to take a not-so-subtle swipe at the Trump-era politics of division. And I know it's easy for a lot of people to feel that you have no power against those injustices. But this is what I'm here to tell you. This land was made for you and me. was made for you and me. That's not just a song, that's the truth. Hoping that message will help make history. Kristen Welker, NBC News, Decatur, Georgia. It's going to be exciting. All right, how about this? Finally, a usable prototype of the hoverboard. We'll give you the story behind Aladdin's magic carpet ride right after the forecast. (laughs) I wouldn't believe it. (laughs) Pretty cool. All right. uh, Meteorologist Christy Gordon back with us as that rain continues to pound Metro Vancouver. Christy. That's right. A soggy start to November. That's for sure. You know what was so nice, though, is that we caught that break that we were hoping for for Halloween. It was mostly dry. Look at this little cutie. Madison was ready for the rain, despite the fact that, yeah, it was a bit misty, but most areas were pretty lucky yesterday. Let's look back at October. Quick recap of your numbers. In terms of temperature, we were right near average. 
average. In terms of days of with rain, we're also close to average, which is surprising. We had that two-week stretch of sunshine. You remember that? But basically, every day when we didn't have sunshine, we had rain, but we didn't quite reach our average. So a little bit drier than normal. Now, we are certainly in for a soaker. Again, 80 millimeters of rain expected. This is a storm total up until tomorrow morning, and also strong winds westerly up to 70 kilometers an hour in Victoria, mainly overnight for you. And they woke up into snow in Fort St. James. So yes, November has been completely different, that's for sure. Here's a look at the model. You can see that that snowfall just touches down into north of Prince George. They have been dealing with snow there. That will continue overnight. Meanwhile, everywhere further south, significant rain and a massive pulse of rain expected for the south coast. And that's why that rainfall warning is still in a place. But Tomorrow, it all eases off. You can see much lighter conditions right across the province for the lower mainland. We're talking about a 40% chance of showers, just mostly in through the morning. But then, our Saturday, we're back into the rain. So it is one thing after another. And a reminder, uh, Saturday night or Sunday early morning, we turn our clocks back, which means we gain an hour's sleep. I always love that. But it also means it's tough times because what sunset now, close to about 5.50, and after Sunday, sunset will be at 4.45. That is tough. And we're losing three minutes and uh, 15 seconds per day of daylight every day. Here's your forecast. So, yes, big changes on the way. Across the north coast, periods of rain. The snow continues for those of you in the BC Peace River area. And that touches down into Prince George overnight as well. Mainly south of Prince George, we're talking about just rain. Again, this uh, moisture that we're seeing is subtropical origin. So temperatures are actually quite mild and they will be tomorrow 13 14 degrees that's above seasonal for this time of year not bad conditions tomorrow but saturday we're back into the rain and i'll leave you with one final halloween shot siamese bumblebee of course he doesn't look very happy about no, it they never are when they're dressed oh, up that's true just get like, this oh. thing off me that's the look on his face right <laughs> all the other cat all his cat friends are making fun <laughs> of making him right fun. now all right thanks christy Hey, uh, this Halloween costume is getting a lot of attention online after getting a lot of attention on the streets of New Jersey. Neil Patel, a junior at Rutgers University, dressed as Aladdin, and he appears to be riding his magic carpet down the street. Not so magical after all. It's just a cleverly disguised electric skateboard, but it looks like the real thing, pretty much, and the video has gone viral, of course. That's so cool. That is awesome. to- that is a great costume. That's awesome. Yeah, so cool. Hey, a lot of thought. Brilliant idea. Yeah, it, it, we got more awesome stuff too. Well, there's a there's a guy, a a, a young man uh, in northern BC who's trying to give you a run for his money. I know. I feel like I'm looking. <laughs> at, I feel like I'm looking in the mirror. You'll know what we're talking about in a second. He's a special fan of global news, and he just set a new record on our Instagram account. Seventeen-year-old oh. Zachary Underwater. We know you're listening, Zachary. Hi. Uh, he's from Smithers. He has cerebral palsy, and he's blind. But his family says he loves listening to global news. So what better costume than a global anchor, complete with an anchor desk and a microphone? Pretty nice tie, too. His family posted the picture on our Instagram account, and it set a new record with more than 2,100 likes. That's awesome, Zachary. I thought you have that tie, don't you? Or- I, I think so. I recognize that one. Yeah, it's very similar. He's <laughs> got excellent taste in ties. Very if only cool. you had his hairline. <laughs> That's, I'm 20 years yeah. beyond that one. <laughs> we'll try to get Zachary uh, That's a good look. in here to... Yeah. 
Yeah, well, one day. The, the invitation is open, Zachary. If you're uh, in town, please uh, swing by. We'd love to host you. The Global News and Global News Radio 980 CKNW Leadership Series, an in-depth collection of one-on-one interviews with our province's best and brightest, featured weekly on BC1 and 980 CKNW. Give it the bobble there, Aww. Squire. See, that's what they're handing out, first 5,000 fans on... Uh... Make his head bobble. Yeah, well, I just did. Coach Barillo. There he is. Anyway, first 5,000 fans. And that's a very, that's a very in-shape Wally. He's cut. Yeah. And if you want like a younger version of Wally, you could always take a magic marker and make his hair black. Good point. <laughs> Just like there it once go. was. I love the, the Wally bubblehead. Well, we're going to talk about Wally in a second. But uh, first, I wonder, if the 2017 NHL draft was done over again, would Elias Pettersson go number one instead of fifth overall? Now, he was the guy the Canucks wanted. They were so happy he was still there when it was their turn to pick. New Jersey, Philadelphia, Dallas, Colorado, they all went with other players. Nico Heeshear went first overall. Now, he's a good player for the Devils, but he didn't play the way Pedersen has as a rookie. Today, Pedersen was, not surprisingly, named the NHL Rookie of the Month for October. Last year, Brock Besser won a couple of these in November and December. You've heard all the superlatives and the stats. It's worth repeating. Seven goals in eight games, tied with Bo Horvat for the team lead in points, and Bo has played six more games and plays about three minutes more a night. Uh, Pedersen leads all rookies in scoring right now. His shooting percentage is an amazing 36.8 on 19 shots, but it's also his play without the puck that's getting voters' attention. Checking, blocking shots, although, again, I would prefer he maybe not block as many. Let some other guys block the shots. Don't get hurt doing that. Now, I mentioned what would happen if they had a do-over for the 2017 draft. How about the 2014 NHL draft when the Canucks had two picks, Jared McCann and Jake Vertanen? They certainly wouldn't pick McCann again in a do-over. The next guy picked was David Pasternak, one of the best young players in the NHL. And they might not have picked Vertanen again if they had a do-over, although last night Vertanen was the reason the Canucks won against Chicago, the main reason. He also showed them for at least one night, why they did pick him sixth overall. If he played like that more often, then the Canucks' future would be even brighter. This was his pre-draft scouting report in one game, hitting guys hard. That's it. Getting other players and other uniforms mad at him. And using his speed, he's one of the best skaters on the team, and his shot to score goals. This is how he played in Calgary in the Western Hockey League. Now, it's not easy to play the same way in the NHL, so if Jake is finally getting it, that's good news for the Canucks and good news for people who need a reason to shotgun beers. <laughs> the all finish face-off. Solani, Patrick Laine, and Alexander Barkov. This game between the Jets and the Panthers is being played in Helsinki, Finland. So it makes sense that Patrick gets a hat trick. Laine has one. Laine has two. Empty net. Liney gets three. They will play again tomorrow in Helsinki, and then both the Panthers and Jets will come back to North America. 4-2 win for Winnipeg over Florida. Now, Saturday night will be the final time. Wally Buono coaches the game at BC Place. This is his last year in the CFL. It'll be his last home game after this. The Lions playoff games will all be on the road. Wally has been with the Lions since 2003. His overall season win percentage with BC, 6.05. And ironically, or perhaps brilliantly, 
His final regular season game will be against the other team he coached for 13 seasons, Calgary. His football legacy is as unique as the 55-yard line. There's only one Wally in the CFL, and as he prepares for his final games as a head coach, it's apparent this group of Lions is firmly behind its leader. But it's a football kind of love. Not necessarily warm and fuzzy, but definitely warm respect for a man who's had a big effect on their lives. With Wally and Ed, you get raw, uncut, and it's like, okay, you either you like it, you know what I'm saying, and if you don't, you respect it because, like you say, they told you the truth. You know, being honest is something that I truly uh, believe in. I've always believed that, you know, honesty uh, will get you a lot further than anything else. I've respected the men that I've worked for that have been up front with me, and I haven't always liked it. Most of the time, you don't. But that's been Wally's way from the very beginning, either as a head coach or a general manager. Carl Kidd talked about that back in 2006. He's he a hell of a, a hell of a hell of a, a negotiator. So on that end, I hate him. I hate him on that end. But as 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 a coach and as a person, I love him. But as a negotiator, I don't like him. I remember years ago, in one instance, me getting pulled. And he's like, Trav, don't feel bad. I, I, uh, I pulled Doug Flutie. I'll pull anybody. So there you go. Everyone's got their Wally stories, and everyone seems a bit sentimental this week, except for the man himself, who's not much into self-celebration. My wife's uh, scolded me more than once on uh, just allowing the uh, process to, uh, you know, take its course, uh, do what you're asked, and... Uh, you know, I appreciate the, um, you know, I guess the kindness and the gesture and the support that you're getting. The Lions do have a tribute plan for his last ever home game on Saturday night. But more than anything, the players know what would be the perfect parting gift. We just want to win. We want to win for them. We're excited for them. Don't give up on yourself. Believe in yourself, guys. Great win. And he told me that once at the uh, training camp, the secret to great spaghetti sauce is the $6 tomatoes, not the $3 tomatoes. Oh, oh really? You get what you pay for. the $6 tomatoes enough, yeah. I want right. Wally's spaghetti sauce. <laughs> well, his son has a restaurant over in Gibson's. Oh, that's right. right. Okay, thank you Wally Wisdom, much, thanks, Claire. All right, let's check in with Jada Rant for a look ahead to Global News at 11 and an update on that bus crash. Jay. That's right, Sophie. We're following up on that, uh, the crash north of Prince George that has sent several people to hospital. This video just into our newsroom. This was the scene at Highway 97 near Mitchell Road just before 4 p.m. today. 32 people were on the bus. 16 have been sent to hospital. Three are in critical condition. The cause may be slippery conditions due to snowfall. RCMP say the bus was carrying mill workers to and from work. We'll have the very latest when you join us tonight on Global News at 11. So, Chris? Right, yeah, it looks snowy up there. Thank you, Jay. It takes a lot to get New Yorkers excited, but a small bird is doing that and then some. That's right. That spectacular duck has mysteriously appeared in Central Park and has become the talk of the town. It is the talk of the town. This is so cool. Look at how beautiful it is. A singular sensation. Never in my life did I think I'd ever see one in Central Park. Dare we say, a bird deserving of top billing. It doesn't look real. It looks like somebody painted a rubber ducky. The new Manhattan must see. In a quiet corner of Central Park is a mandarin duck, a bird usually found in Asia. He's right down there in that little nook. And he is a sight to see. 
How it got here is a mystery. Local zoos have said, not ours. Is he lost? Was he stolen? Might this be an example of foul play? New Yorkers are just happy he's here. Has the duck lived up to expectations? Absolutely. I mean, the colors on that thing, the details on it, like it looks like a made-up duck. And why he came and if he'll stay are questions this bird has thus far been able to <clears throat> duck. Harry Smith, NBC News, New York. Dean was working overtime no there. Yeah, kidding. All right, there will be a really big show in New York this weekend, Sunday, for the New York City Marathon. Uh, and our very own NewsHour producer, Marcia Gabriel, will be there. Here she, here she is finishing the uh, BMO Vancouver Half Marathon in May. Where's everybody else? She's had six years of no racing because wow. she just came back this year because she was uh, riddled with injuries. Mm-hmm. But she's making her big comeback with her very first marathon this weekend. You know, we're like family here. She was we're, first in that race. There was we're nobody excited. There's nobody else around. Yeah. Good luck, Marsha. Have a great time. And, uh, yeah, we wish you all the best. We'll be following along online. Thanks, everybody. Good night.